And so I invite you, as you listen to the scripture this morning, to think about water. All the ways it nourishes us, as Pastor was talking about, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and all the ways it connects us, visibly, invisibly, and even mystically. Let's hear the word of God. All the people gathered together into the square before the water gate. They told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. Then they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they read from the book, from the law of God, with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, And Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet wine, and said portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. It's kind of funny for me not to be singing with the choir this morning. <laughs> but it's a real gift to just be able to listen. And receive the gift of the music. Thank you, choir and Ellen. Well, we've come a long way, liturgically speaking, in the last month. Uh, celebrating the birth of Jesus just a month ago, it's hard to believe, uh, to the baptism of Jesus by John, which we celebrated just two weeks ago, and to today, which uh, the third Sunday of Epiphany. But I wanted to go back to the birth story just for a moment and and notice that the gifts the Magi brought were gifts of the earth, precious minerals and spices, gifts fit for a king, but a king of this world. They hadn't understood yet that Jesus' kingdom is the kingdom of heaven. They didn't know yet what the kingdom of God looks like. And Jesus began his ministry not with earth, but with water. He stepped into the River Jordan, and the heavens opened, and God claimed God's own Son. Somehow, a connection was made between our world and God's. The water of Jesus' baptism opened a mystical connection between God 
and God's beloved. And we hear the theme of water throughout Jesus' ministry. He turns water into wine at the wedding feast. He meets a Samaritan woman at a well and talks about a kind of water that quenches our thirst forever. Whoever drinks the water I give them, he says, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring welling up to eternal life. We'll come back to that spring of water welling up within us, but there's more. Jesus heals a man by a pool in Bethzatha. He ministers by the Sea of Galilee. He ministers from a boat on that sea. He teaches the disciples how to fish from that sea. He calms the storm. He walks on water. Water, water, water. And in an extraordinary passage, an unnamed woman washes his feet with her tears. Water. I remember Pastor Rody preaching about that woman, just talking about how almost crazy she was with her grief and love welling up within her. That welling up of emotion, that gushing forth of love, could that be connected somehow to the spring of water welling up within the believer's heart? All of our invisible longings and yearnings and devotions becoming visible, connecting us to something maybe mystical. And later, when Jesus' side is pierced, water pours forth. We Christians consecrate our connection to one another with water. We baptize into the faith, into the body of Christ to commemorate Jesus' baptism and to mark our connection to him through the waters of the Spirit, the living waters of our spiritual birth. But water connects all of us in other ways, both seen and unseen. We know, for example, that our bioenergetic fields affect one another. If I were to up here begin to cry, and it it does actually sometimes happen during a sermon, but women in the congregation and even some men would also tear up. Uh, if, If I'm anxious, it increases the anxiety of those around me. If I'm angry, if I'm sad. This is, this is what Pastor Brad spoke about last week when he talked about how our groups and the people that we choose to be around and to have around us can influence even our health for better or, or not so good sometimes. We have these invisible yet very tangible connections. Our intentions, our biochemicals, our, our subtle energies connect us to one another invisibly perhaps, but very significantly. And this is one reason that the internet, as Pastor Brad also spoke about last week, will never replace face-to-face interactions. There, there are ways we affect one another that simply don't translate to bits and bytes across an electronic medium. It can't be done. It can't be done. And we need those kind of connections. We deeply need them. They add to us. They complete us. Someone without a friend to cry with is living in a very cruel kind of desert. And no one here at Aldersgate need ever go without such a friend. That's the kind of community we are. And when we join together to pray or worship, join our voices, our thoughts, and those invisible emotions within us. <laughs> See, you can't go across electronics. Something deeper still happens. We come closer to God and closer to union in the mystical body.
of Christ. Today's text from Nehemiah tells us not to weep. This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people did weep when they heard the words of the law. The people Israel had just returned from their long Babylonian exile and rebuilt the temple, and the final stage of which was to rebuild the walls surrounding the temple and therefore the gates. In those walls and in front of one of those gates, the water gate, Nehemiah reads to the people from the Torah, exhorting them to rededicate their lives to God's law. And and so they were overwhelmed with joy, with fear, with, with love, with remorse, maybe grief, all those emotions that combine and somehow add up to water. Maybe maybe some of them were even carried away in the spirit, lifted out of themselves at this renewed promise between them and their God. And aren't all of us so often returning from exile, coming closer to God in our prayer lives and in church after having strayed in so many ways during our day? I can say for sure that's true for me. Turning toward God to remember and recall God's love for us and promise to us and to rededicate ourselves to living the the life that God wants for us, the life that he showed us through Jesus. This gate to the city of Jerusalem, this water gate, was so-called because it was built beside a water, an underground stream, rather, that provided water for the temple and could be used for rituals, which um, water that you carried in a vessel wasn't suited for because it might become um, impure or stale. So these rituals had to be performed with running water, living water. And the people built the temple accordingly. And then about four and a half centuries later, really not all that long as it turns out in historical terms, just about the amount of time from the Reformation to now, about four and a half centuries later, the author of the book of John has Jesus in that same temple, really, crying out to all who would hear him. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink, and out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. There's no accident to John's writing here. John, the most symbolic, the most transcendent of all the gospel authors, places Jesus at the very same festival that the people of Israel were celebrating when Nehemiah spoke, the festival of booths or Sukkot. And and Jesus is saying, this living water here in the temple, you can see it and taste it and smell it, but the water I can give you, the invisible, mystical water I offer, it's the water of the living God. And it will create in you a source of new life that that will bubble up in springs of faith and, and be a source of strength and joy and love to you and those around you forever. Forever. And that's the water of our baptism. It's, it's the bountiful, free, ever-available grace of God's love poured over us to mark us forever, to remind us to whom we belong. I want to I share a little story about my son when he was not quite three, I think just two, two and a half, and he was in the bath. Uh, and, he, and he called me. He must have been three now that I think about it. He was really talking and he called me in, and he went like this. He had a cup of water, and he just went. And I said, that's, that's great, honey. And he said, no, mommy, look, look. 
I said, That's, what is that? That's so good. What is it? I'm putting on my water dresses. I just thought, what a great image for baptism. God's love is just pouring over us and enveloping us like a, like a cloth, like a shield that flows around us. <laughs> See, it happened again. Around us and, and through us to others. So it's such a delight today to be celebrating a new baptism for Allison. Wait, wait, it's a big deal. <laughs> Last month we celebrated Isaac's baptism. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> okay, don't wait. <laughs> and, and today we witness again, and Allison saw who's nine years old and is taking this incredible, incredible step on her journey of faith. Allison uh, sort of popped into my life unexpectedly one day. Uh, the day of World Communion, and she was here before church. Her mother plays in the bell choir, so she was here with her mother before church, and I asked her if she wanted to help me. Shannon had um, done her service magic to add old folklore senses and visuals and textures to the service, and we were planning on making uh, hand-rolled tortillas and heating them up there, and some of you were here for that, uh, just to commemorate the bread that's shared throughout the world for communion. And uh, Sorry about that. Uh, oh, hold still. No, I won't. But I'll try. It won't work, but I'll try. And Alice, I asked Allison if she wanted to help. And so many of you saw her up here with me helping, but what you didn't see was that she actually was doing the whole thing herself. She, she, I kept asking her, don't you want me to take a turn? No. <laughs> I'm fine. And she would just keep rolling out the tortillas. I did do a couple. Hers were actually far better shaped than mine, so... But, uh, but she has that spirit and that just gift of joy, and she's so incredibly poised, and I'm just so honored to be part of her ceremony today. <sighs> and we'll hear more about that from Pastor Brad. But for now, I'll close with a last story, and it's a true story. Um, I have an orchid. I've had it for about 14 or 15 years, I think. And it's, I call it my Easter orchid because it's... Many years that I had it, it blooms every year on Easter. And for those of you who don't know, it takes quite a while for the for the blooms to develop and then open. But once they do, they stay for weeks. So so it was always in bloom on Easter. But one year it didn't bloom, and the next year it didn't bloom, and it didn't bloom for seven years. And I was really upset because that was that was my Easter orchid. And it meant so much to me. And then I was at an outdoor farmer's market, and I saw an orchid seller. And his orchids looked gorgeous. So I asked him, maybe I can right here. I asked him what his secret was, and he showed me he literally had them soaking in a pool of water, a bowl of water. Not, not just watering them once a week or twice a week like I've been doing. Soaking. I went home, and I took my orchid, and you can't tell, but it's huge. It's, it's a thing. Okay. Oh! <laughs> Backwards. Well, that's I'm dyslexic. There you go. So, so I took this huge, huge pasta. Hey, hey. I took this huge orchid and I put it in my bathtub and I filled it up with water and I left it to soak overnight. And I did that once a week for a year. I was not giving up, and you guessed it, it bloomed on Easter. I guess all it needed was a little more water, maybe a lot more water. This year, I keep soaking it. I've been soaking it regularly, 
And I don't know if you can tell from the picture, usually I've only had one stalk of flowers. The, the one stalk with the big flowers, that's one stalk. Then another stalk came. That's with the smaller, they're not quite open yet, flowers. And then a third stalk came. That has never, ever happened, and I can't help but think of the Trinity. Truly. And don't really all of us need more spiritual water in our lives. More time to pray, more time to take off from our busy days and just soak up God's love. And that's, isn't that what we do here at church with one another? But we need even more than that. We need our own prayer time and we need the, the connections with the groups that Pastor Brad talked about last week where we can open ourselves and by doing so deep in our relationship with God. Um, and those connections, they're what build up the body of Christ. Yes, the mission work and all the ministry that we do, but also the bonds we form here at this place we call Aldersgate. And uh, I just want to commemorate the, the new members that joined this morning. And uh, I told them, and I'll tell anyone here who's thinking of joining, welcome home. And also I'll say what my grandmother would have said to you, you're showing very good taste. <laughs> so come weekly for your weekly soak. In God's waters here at Aldersgate. Amen. God bless.